0: Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are down to our final four, in a sense. We have one book that is going to be the getting the buy in our March Madness. What we call it? A challenge? Tournament. uh, Tournament contest. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll also be sharing a couple of books that we're looking forward to that are coming out in April. And I think we're both looking forward to updating you on what we've been reading. I've actually read a couple of things. So I'm excited to say that, Gail, I... I think I'm only four books behind on my Goodreads challenge. Well, that's very uh, doable. I feel like I've caught up a little bit. Yeah. Six. When I had slipped to six and seven, I was feeling like, you know, I I might not, I might not be able to pull through, but now that I'm in within four, I feel like that's just one vacation away from being on target. (laughs) Yes. Um. So what have you been reading? How did your vacation reading go? We didn't get a chance to talk about which books you were going to take. Oh, well, it's a good thing we didn't spend too much time talking about it (laughs) because
1: I ended up getting mired in a book that was, I found kind of slow. And so I only really made it through that one book. Oh, and also, did I tell you that our vacation got canceled? You mentioned
0: something like that. There was a change.
1: Yeah, we, we were supposed to, North to go Carolina to Carolina and, yeah. and yeah.
0: Cancun.
1: Right, we went to North Carolina. So I did not quite have the like beach reading that I wanted to. My daughter got covid right before we were going to go, so we had to cancel. Um so I read this book called Groundskeeping by Lee Cole that has gotten lots of lots of buzz and great reviews. And that was I,
0: one of the, the books that people voted on for the book club. Oh, good. Well, then if that's
1: the case, I I don't think I'll get too deep into it.
0: It didn't win. So you can.
1: Oh, okay. Well, if it didn't win, (laughs) I could talk about it. So I liked it, but it was slow. It was like dense and slow and it just took me a long time to get through. So whereas I thought maybe I'd get through like two or three books, I didn't. I just basically read
0: that book the whole time. Did you like it?
1: Um, I, there's things I liked about it. I appreciated it. It's a story about a guy who grows up in Kentucky and kind of you know very red state family kind of you know trumpy republican family but he feels like a bit of a black sheep in his family and he moves out to colorado and then has some kind of addiction issues and ends up moving back home with very little prospects and you know doesn't have any money and he moves in with his grandfather and um gets a job at a university doing tree work you know, groundskeeping work. And it's basically just about him. He meets a girl. He develops a relationship. And it's just about his identity. He uh, wants to be a writer. So he takes a writing course. and Not a whole lot happens. And there's lots of amazing character development. And it's very well written, but it's just slow and long. And it's felt very like masculine to me. Like there's just, you know, he's very restrained and not very emotional or does not, not very expressive. It's not that he's not emotional. He's not expressive. So I enjoyed it, but it was not my favorite book. And I think that there are others who have enjoyed it more than I did. It sounds like tortured enjoyment. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it's tortured enjoyment. I just, I just kind of wanted to finish, you know, I just like, I wanted to get through it and
0: I it don't. It tortured to me.
1: Yeah. Maybe I'm, I'm, underselling it. I, I I liked it. I'm glad I read it. It just wasn't my favorite. And then I read like another book afterwards that I really, really liked. And so the contrast between the two is very like marked Stark. in my mind. Yeah. So I read um, a book by Rebecca Kaufman called Chorus. And um, that book is just so different. It's about a family living in Virginia in the Mostly the 20s and 30s, but it does stretch a little bit into the 40s and 50s. And it's about these seven kids growing up in this house with a very depressed mother who ends up killing herself. And that's not a spoiler. That's revealed very, very early on. And it's the story of this family that's told through the perspective of these seven kids. And she jumps around in chapters in terms of perspective and in terms of time. And, you know, there's little vignettes and things that happen in each chapter. You kind of catch up on some of the other siblings and you see the perspective of this family through all these different eyes. And I just, oh, I loved it. It was my first five star book of the year. Oh. Yeah. I really liked it. I've read another book by her called The Gunners. And I think I, I like this one like better. She
0: write something with gun in the title.
1: Yeah. The Gunners. She read a book called The House on Fripp Island, which I have not read. I read
0: that. Oh, did you like that book? It did. So I I feel like it's quiet. It's not one of those books that you yell out and you're just like, oh my gosh, I enjoyed it because it was just about these fam. It's like an intricate story about these, this family who goes on vacation to, um, with their neighbors who aren't as affluent as they are. And I think one of the husbands wins this trip. So finally, uh, one of the friends is able to offer her friend this trip with her family without, you know, it being about money and they accept. So it's just kind of all about these simmering differences that go Mm. on while they're on vacation together. And of course something tragic happens on the vacation that uh, is the framework of, I guess, the novel. And you're trying to figure out what's going to happen. And yeah, it was, it was a really quiet story. I think that maybe you're thinking, I mean, what does happen is really, really impactful or whatever, but I think, there's a certain amount of amb- ambiguity or I don't know that a lot of people would be satisfied with the ending. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. But I really liked her writing. So.
1: Yeah. I would say that um, chorus is pretty quiet too. It's just a quiet book. Um, I don't know. I just like, it wasn't that long and I just couldn't get enough of it. Like I just, it was good. And then the third one that I read, and I wonder if this was picked for our book club was mercy street. Did that get picked or was it um, Opal and Nev?
0: Um, it was Mercy Street. Oh, it was Mercy Street. Okay. I am so, tiebreaker in that, I have to admit. And Groundskeeping just sounded like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was looking for excerpts of it online and I couldn't find any. And I saw that it was on the Jenna show. And I just went back and forth. So I let the tiebreaker be the fact that Jennifer Haig fits in with my reading um, authors that I've already read. Okay, so I kind of took the decision out of my own hands, even though I could have picked either. But I don't know. There was just something. It's just like I don't want to like be in Trump land or wherever. I was like, I just can't right now.
1: Um, well, if you don't want to be in Trump land, <laughs> <it's> there's parts <laughs> of Mercy Street that are firmly in Trump land. Um, but I did read that one too. But I I will withhold talking about it until we have a book club discussion.
0: I just felt like there was a more variety of characters and I guess that book, just what it was about was just emanating um, a difficult character that maybe I just didn't want to be in his head. He sounds kind of depressing. I was like, Yeah. I think, um, I also think Mer- mercy street will
1: lend itself better to a discussion. So I think that was the right pick.
0: Okay, good. Yeah. But everyone was split on it. I think, um, yeah, it was an even split. Well, yeah, that's why it was the tiebreaker. <laughs> I'm surprised um, that Opal and Nev didn't win. I thought it would. Uh, I think a lot of people have probably read it or have probably heard it, just, you know, heard a lot more about it. I think aren't these books a little bit newer? Because I think Opal and Nev is probably about ready to hit paperback. I think that's right. Yeah. Okay. So how about you? <laughs> Um, I have been zipping along. I finished this book called The Power Couple. And it is about this couple who have, um they've been married a long time. And it seems like they're on the verge of kind of like losing this marriage. Um, they've drifted way far apart. But you know, some things happen in the marriage. They decide to recommit to it and they go on a 20th anniversary trip and they take their children with them. And then while they are missing or while they are on the trip, I just gave it away. Their daughter goes missing. She's kidnapped. And, you know, we find out that the parents do not have normal lives. Like he works for the NSA and he's like a coder and she, uh, works for the FBI. So she's in counterintelligence in the FBI. So when their daughter goes missing and they have gone on vacation overseas, um, I think they start out in Paris and end up in Barcelona. And so they don't know, like, is it because of his life? Is it because of her life? is this just a random thing? And then too, there's like other secrets that they have from each other. So it's all about trying to figure out their daughter. It goes back and forth in time. You know, you look at how they met and how their relationship has developed, but I really, I really liked it. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. It was kind of like, you know, fast paced, but still thoughtful, still a thoughtful examination. I would say of these two characters, you know, the husband and the wife, um, being from different backgrounds, you know, he's he's from a family that's not as well off as hers and just kind of how the dynamics change. Because I think when they meet each other, they're just kind of really enthralled in ways that, you know, maybe is because they're, you know, like dealing with someone who is not from the same background and, you know, just how that wears throughout the marriage. So there's like lots of stuff too about like money and class and You know, their personalities, which make it an interesting read. I also read this book called or I listened to Like a Sister by Kelly Garrett. And it is about this young woman who is estranged from her sister when she goes missing shortly after her birthday, and she's found by the side of the road. She it looks like a drug overdose or maybe a suicide. But even though her sister was kind of into drugs, this woman does not believe that. She believes that there's something more to this story. So um, they're half sisters. Lena is the sister who is looking for her, looking into the disappearance and the death of her half sister. And... Um, I don't know. Their father grew up in the music business. You know, she, her sister Desiree, had kind of been in reality shows. She's estranged from her father because once he marries Desiree's mother, she doesn't feel like she's as part of the family. And she had like some problems with Desiree just because of her drug use. But, you know, it's just kind of all about. The things that your family hides from you and just how there can be secrets that you don't even know, like the full dynamics of what goes on into a family. So she discovers a lot about her sister and her relationship with her father while she is on this search. And I really enjoyed that. Um, Both characters and the author are Black and it kind of too just approaches how... um, the coverage of these cases can be different because of race, you know, even when money is involved. And so it was interesting to look at that. Okay. Um, I like the narrator. Bonnie Turpin is the narrator. Why do I know that name? She might've, I feel like she's probably narrated some things that you might have listened to. Um, what, what has she narrated? They just did a profile on her in, um, Libro FM. Oh, okay. Maybe. Hmm. I don't know. The name's definitely familiar. Well, yeah. I mean, she's narrated, let's see, The the Like a Sister, The Hate You Give, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, Bad Feminist. Yeah. She's The Underground Railroad. She's narrated quite a bit. The Sun is also a star. She's actually narrating this book that's on my list, Recitative by Toni Morrison. I think that's one of her latest ones. So she narrated The Yellow House. Did you read The Yellow House? No, I don't think so. Okay. But she's narrated a fair amount. So maybe, I mean, when you look up her name to see what she's attached to, so many results come up. Like that was just the tip of the iceberg. So you may have listened to her at some point. So tell us what you're reading now. She Did you listen to Transcendent Kingdom by Yaa Jesse?
1: Yes, she I did. that. Okay. Yes, I definitely did. So that would ring a bell then. Uh, so what am I reading now? Um, I am reading, well, one of the books I'm reading is actually one of the books we're going to talk about on the show. It's an April release. So, um, why don't I hold on that one? And then I, you know, I walked into the library the other day to return a book and I just, I can't ever leave the library without passing the new releases section. Mm -hmm. And there was a book. It's not even, yeah, I just, it's like a, it's like, it just calls, it's like a moth to the flame. Um, and there's a book on there that wasn't even that new. I think it came out last year or the year before, but called The Fortunate Ones by Ed Tarkington. And I grabbed it and then I just started it on audio and I'm already completely sucked in. So oh, really? yeah, so I'm reading that. I'm listening to that one. And then I also started- Uh, the new, uh, Rosie Walsh book, the love of my life, which, yeah, that was my
0: book of the month pick. And that just showed up. So I was on my list of things that I was looking forward to. And she's an author that I read. So.
1: Oh, good. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm like maybe 30 or 40 pages in it. You know, I didn't, the narration, I started that one on audio and I, the narration was like heavy British accent. And it just was like, it was becoming too much work to listen. And so I switched that one over to print and that's when I grabbed the, um, the fortunate ones. So I, that's why I have three books going. Cause then I've also got a book that i was previously reading in print. So, and that's one of the ones I'm going to talk about for our April releases.
0: Okay. All right. So moving right along, cause I know we have a bunch of stuff to get to. I will just mention briefly that I'm reading Patricia Highsmith's Stranger's Strangers on the Train. I just felt like that was a classic that kept popping up and that I wanted to read because so many books are inspired by that. You know, The two strangers who meet and decide that they are going to carry out crimes for each other, that I just felt like Mm. I needed to read the source material. So I'm at the very beginning of that. This guy is, um, he's on his way to go and visit his mother and to see his wife who he is not in love with anymore. He's already met someone else, but he's left his wife back in Texas while he's in New York. And the story is that, you know, he's going to send for her as soon as he made enough money to send for her. But, you know, he seems pretty miserable and wants out of the marriage and he meets this, this strange guy and they are, they are striking up a conversation. I'm guessing I'm, I will find out, you know, who this other dude wants dead. (laughs) Hmm. And it looks like that they will probably, I mean, that's the premise of it. And I've read, I feel like I've read so many books based on that. And everyone talks about like, you know, her, the talented Mr. Ripley and this one. So I was like, I just need to read, you know, the book that the book itself, as opposed to like all of the adaptations. So that's what I'm reading right now. And that's pretty much it. I'm reading it on my Kindle. I just started it today. The only other thing I'm reading is The Sum of Us by Heather McGee, which I'm kind of slowly getting through. And that one is the tagline is what racism costs everyone and how we can prosper together. It's really good, but it's also heavy. So like I read a chapter and then I'm just like, all right, well, we're going to take a break from that for now. (laughs) Understandably. So last week, or a couple weeks ago, when we were on the show, I had told you that I had started watching *Inventing Anna*, and I had thoughts about that. So I know that you also read the book that was by um, what was her name? Rachel? No, Rachel, yeah, Rachel. deloche Williams. Yes, Rachel deloche Williams. And I, it's not totally based on that in this in *Inventing Anna*, Rachel is it's not like she's not a big character she's definitely someone that they want to talk to and like try to figure out what her part of the story is but i just had such issues with the way they cha- they characterize parts of Rachel's story you know i mean of course this is like a fictional heavily fictionalized version of um um that whole story hmm. So what I want to ask you is, what do you remember of the book in reading Rachel's book? What do you remember happening when she talks to her boss about what has happened with Anna? Oh, her
1: boss. That's a great question. What, where, who does she work for again? What kind of company?
0: Uh, she works at a publishing company, like magazines. Is talking to the boss what leads her to end up writing about it? No, I mean, I just felt her boss was pretty sympathetic to like, remember her boss was kind of counseling her and helping her, and right. And she had ended
1: up using like her company credit card for some of the debt, and like they were pretty understanding about it. That's that's what that's the, all I remember.
0: Okay, I just wanted to confirm that I was not crazy. <laughs> Why, what happens in the show? In the show, and okay, so we're clearly getting into spoilers, people. So if you don't, you know, if you have not watched the show and you want to watch the show, you shouldn't listen to like for the next minute because in the show, they have the boss be like, oh, you really need to like tell whoever that this money is missing. And they haul her in, in front of this committee and they're just like, oh, you've like suborned fraud. And you know, you let this woman just use your credit card and they threaten her with jail. And I just thought, look, this is the perfect teachable moment about privilege and how some people like this was terrible. What happened to her? Like, I don't condone what happened to her, but this was a woman who had resources. Like her boss was sympathetic. They were trying to help her work it out. They were trying to help her with a repayment plan. So to act like she was ever in the danger. I mean, she had her own personal feelings about it because of course, who wants to owe $60,000 to anyone, even if you have friends who can help you pay it or whatever, but they just had it. Like this company was just going to go after her. And I was like, why would you make that change instead of yeah, showing how weird. it is? And then like, yeah, well, really maybe weird. that's more dramatic. And I was like, yeah, but you're acting like anyone in this situation is playing by the same rules as anyone else. And that's just not true.
1: I mean, I guess they're just trying to show just like the permeation of her life by this woman and how it, you know, affected every aspect of her life.
0: But that's clear. I mean, you can show her stress. That's a stressful thing. If I had put 60 grand on my credit card, but I doubt if I would have a boss who's just like, look, Nicole, no big deal. We're going to figure this out. (laughs) Right, right. Right. I probably would have been in front of, you know, the board with them talking about this is fraud. You're going to be fired. You did that. You lent her, you gave her the card. Um, so that was just a very interesting variation that I was just like, did not appreciate. It was you, they could have done better with that. I feel like. Hmm, Um, I also watched the second Bridgerton. The whole series? I did. Okay. Um, I thought the first couple of episodes were a little boring, but I did really like the uh, the side storylines. Like, you know, there's the storyline of who is Miss Whistledown, the relationship with the sisters. I thought there was interesting stuff. I mean, even with the main character, like I said, I didn't think I was going to watch it because I really did really did not like the brother. And of course, they are giving him. You know, this is about getting to know him, and we realize why he's like such an awful. Person Is this the older brother? Yes. Okay. I was just like, he's not even as cute. <laughs> <laughs> I was so turned off by the first season. I don't think I would watch the second one. Yeah. Like I said, I do think, I don't know. And I think in some ways, maybe the second season is much better. I think, or maybe I paid attention more or whatever. I think the Duke was very distracting in the first season. <laughs> yes. He has just keep watching because it's just like, all right, I guess I'll just watch one more episode more to keep watching him. Then I didn't think the first season was that great. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It just seems sort of silly a lot of the time. But I, I thought that this one had a little bit more weight and a little bit more meat just in terms of, you know, the sisters being in love with the same guy. So yeah, they took that to unexpected places
1: wait sisters being who did that is that that season two or season that's one season two. Oh, okay all right that's some
0: that's some intrigue I didn't know about yeah it's definitely with something like this I always feel like when two family members like the same person I feel like there's always going to be a character introduced that one sister likes more so it's no big deal but that did not happen <laughs> I was like how are they going to do this
1: let me ask you a bookish-related, a bookish-adjacent question. Okay. So we adopted a dog about um, a month and a half ago.
0: No foster? You just straight out adopted?
1: Well, we did foster him, and that lasted for 24 hours. And we were just like, we have to keep him because he's so great. So, and this thankfully we did because my other dog passed away about oh, two yeah. weeks later. Oh. Yeah. My other dog died in... um the middle of March. So, oh my gosh. yeah. So, um, but it it was certainly helpful that we had, you know, a new dog in the house just to sort of like ease it a little bit. Um, and so he's been great and we love him. And the name that he came with is Hobart and none of us is crazy about the name Hobart. It's like, it, at this point, it's a little hard to rename him because he has turned, he is Hobart in that, you know, his personality fits the name. <laughs> But one name that I want to name him is Mister Darcy, and then just call him Darcy for for short. Mm-hmm. But some people are saying it's too girly. What Darcy? Yeah, that calling him Darcy
0: is too girly. Do
1: you agree with that?
0: I don't. I mean, I don't know any Darcys that are female. It's all. It's like Mister Darcy.
1: <laughs> I mean, right? Uh, I mean, what greater not, compliment to pay a dog than to name him Mister Darcy?
0: Literary-minded enough. Who are these people, Gail? Well, my husband, for one.
1: <laughs> Both of my parents seem to agree on this one. Um, I don't know. It's like I feel like it's, as long as you said, well, his name's Mr. Darcy, we call him Darcy." People would be like, "Oh yeah, I get it.
0: Yeah, because he's Mr. Yeah. Darcy. And then yeah. you, all, you always have nicknames. My cat's name is Walter, and he came with that name, and I tried. I wanted He's a black and white cat, so I wanted to call him Domino but that just, is it never stu- stuck? It doesn't so stick. It didn't yeah. didn't stick. So he's walty. you know? His name
1: yeah. All right.
0: Well, we'll see.
1: He is now um, on my Instagram feed. So lucky, the lucky dog pics are no more because lucky is no more. So I have switched over to Hobart. He's not as easy to photograph because lucky would was mostly sit still. Yeah. He was like, just kind of sit there with the book. He sort of just tolerated it. Whereas Hobart, I have a hard time getting him to sit still long enough to get a picture.
0: You have to train him.
1: Yeah, and he's very, his face is mostly black. He's got those brown, like those sort of fake eyes that dogs have, which are meant to um, deceive other dogs into thinking they're awake even when they're asleep. So it's a defense thing, but it's those little brown patches right above the eyes that sort of from a distance look like eyes.
0: That is so interesting. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. So he's just not as easy. It's not as easy to see his face. Lucky, you know, he was like tricolor white and brown, so you could kind of see his eyes better. Is he Whereas Hobart.
0: No, he's somewhere between three and four. Okay. Well, yeah. He's still young. He's still young. Yeah. He's great. Um, well, Gail, I am so sorry to hear about Lucky. I mean,
1: thank you. I when my appreciate cat it.
0: Asked, I could not, I just couldn't tell anyone for a while because, like, to mention her, was to cry. (laughs) Yeah, I know.
1: I know. I mean, we had a lot of warning with Lucky. He had got cancer last summer, then he was on chemo all during the fall. Then I thought he was in remission, but the cancer came back really fast. So we tried this other chemo and, uh, you know, I thought he was doing okay. And then at the beginning of March, he just, just took knew. a big turn. Yeah, It just knew. And like, it, it, you know, I had brought him in for chemo and they said, well, his numbers are a little high. Let's see what happens next week. And by the following week, he just, he'd really, really gone downhill. So I've had a lot of warning that it was coming, but it's, oh, you know, it's never easy I at all. I did
0: too. It didn't matter.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's a mess. Yeah.
0: All right. So
1: anyway. Okay. So we have a lot more to cover. Let's do the March Madness. We have two matchups. And, you know, we've talked about these books a lot already, so we don't need to do too much. Yeah, really brief. Um, Okay, so our first matchup is The Paper Palace versus The Nine Lives of Rose Napolitano. And we're giving
0: the the Cliff Notes version.
1: The Cliff Notes version. We're giving the idea of you a bye because it scored the most out of these five.
0: It was number one seeded. So,
1: number one seeded. So it It gets gets to to cruise ahead to the next round. Rest
0: on its laurels.
1: Right. I was at my son's baseball game yesterday and someone, uh, one of the moms said to me, you know, I, I, I went through your blog and I was going really deep and you know what book I decided to read? And I'm like, what? She goes, it's that one about the woman and the one direction type gosh, guy. Gosh. And I was like, oh yes, the idea of you. She goes, I had no idea I was going to like it as much as I did. <laughs> I said, yep. It's you and everyone.
0: Women all over the place. It's an old book.
1: So The Paper Palace, we've talked about that before. This is the book about the woman with the ramshackle house on the Cape who um, has this, uh, she's sort of torn between two men, her husband and then her best friend from growing up, who's somebody who she went through a lot of different traumas with and really understands her and her history. Whereas her husband, also a good guy, um but wasn't kind of th- there for lots and lots of family trauma and there is a lot of trauma in this book just lots and lots of really bad things happen over and over again but it's a very atmospheric well to- told story it takes place in the summertime so you really dig into that like you know cape cod summer with the ponds and the bugs and the you know the heat um so just a good, like, kind of love story. And also, it's one of those books where you really don't know up until the very end what she's going to decide to do. And I'm not even sure that at the end, you're even sure what she does. I think it's a slightly ambiguous ending. So if you're down for that type of book and can deal with a little ambiguity, then um, it's a very addictive and read. What will make it have staying power? What will make it have staying like, power? Why would we
0: read this in three years,
1: five I years? I think because it's a good story. I don't think it has like a big, meaningful message to it. I just think it's a good story. And I think it's the type of book, it's kind of like Crawdads. Like Crawdads doesn't really have like a strong message to it, but it's, it's you know, it's a very like engrossing story that you want to read. And when you th- when I think back on The Paper Palace, like I can definitely conjure up, lots of images from the book and things that have stuck in my head.
0: Okay. So Rose Napolitano.
1: Yeah. So Rose Napolitano, I would say is different in that it has more to say. Nine Lives of Rose Napolitano was a sliding doors-esque story about uh, a woman whose husband wants to have a baby. She does not. They had agreed before they got married, they weren't going to have kids then he changes his mind. The book is nine different scenarios of how that can play out. Either they stay together and have a kid, they stay together and don't have a kid, they have a kid and don't stay together, on and on. There's all these different permutations of what happens. This is a more complexly constructed book because you've got these nine different lives and they parallel each other sometimes. There's little snippets of some stories that get picked up in other chapters. Um, but it's a much more, I think, uh, deeper story because it's a story about agency and control and women and motherhood and non-motherhood and how much, you know, freedom women should have from societal pressure and pressure from a partner about parenthood. And then, you know, there are people who don't want to be parents, but become parents and end up very happy. And some people who do want to be parents and are still not happy so it's about the kind of shades of gray in parenthood and how to live a life that feels faithful to what you believe and what you want. And to answer your question about what would give it staying power, I think these are issues that don't go away. So and as certainly as we get to a place in society where you know reproductive freedom and is being Curtailed and a right to choose gets narrower and narrower. I think these issues become more and more relevant. So that is the matchup Paper Palace versus Nine Lives of Rose Napolitano.
0: Okay, so then we have At the Wolf's Table versus The Secret Lives of Church Ladies. So At the Wolf's Table, it is set in World War II. It is about these women who come together or who are forced to come together because. Hitler needs someone who is able to taste his food to make sure that he isn't being poisoned. And, you know, some of these women are local to the town. Some of them, like one of the main characters, she is actually from a big city, I think maybe Berlin. Her husband is off fighting in the war, and she is chosen to be one of the taste testers because she has gone to live with his family in this small town. So this novel is all about the relationships between the woman women and how they develop as they are brought together in this very fraught time when basically you just don't know if the next bite is gonna kill you or not. And in the beginning they are allowed to go back home and to stay with their families but they progress to the point where they no longer are allowed to have that kind of freedom and they are like, there in the facility all of the time. like They are placed in these dormitories and just different allegiances and things come to light. So it really is all about the hard choices that you have to make and are forced into when you're a woman, woman, when you can't necessarily decide, make decisions. These decisions aren't voluntary. They are being paid. And I think some of them, a lot of them are grateful for the money and need the money for different reasons. But you just really get to know their personalities and you get to see what's going on in their lives. Like some of them are very, are sympathetic to the cause. You know, this is, this is their homeland and some of them agree, but there are other people who don't. And it's just kind of like the whole novel is about teasing out where people's allegiance lies. And sometimes like the gray areas that they come up against. So it was really interesting to get to know these women, just definitely stories in there that were heartbreaking. And I think that this novel just really said something about kind of having these choices in life, you know, that are not black and white, that are difficult, that you have to make a decision or you're forced to make a decision that you don't necessarily want to make and how you may not necessarily be able to view anyone in terms of black and white. So it is not none of the women have easy lives or easy choices. And I think that's just like something that women come up against in terms of who you wanna protect and who you owe allegiance to. Is it your family? Is it your husband? Is it whoever the person is that you're trying to be? Is it your children? So I think that those are universal questions and this is just a novel that you'll always be able to pick up and it will always be just like these heartrending decisions will always be relevant. Okay,
1: so that's going up against The Secret Lives of Church Ladies, which is a collection of short stories about Black women. And interesting, you said something that I thought there was a parallel between At the Wolf's Table and this one. It's about the weight of expectation and living an honest life. It's interesting, themes from Rose Napolitano and themes from At the Wolf's Table. Um, These stories kind of pick, they explore women at different junctures of their lives, um, usually making decisions that are going contrary to what's expected of them by their society, by their church, by their family, by themselves, and them trying to sort of figure out how to live in a way that lets them pursue who they are and what they want without guilt. Um, Beautifully, beautifully written stories um some stick out a little bit more than other ones but i don't think there was a weak story in the group and just very evocative and like short successful short stories have always something buried some twist in there that sort of brings the whole thing into relief so you know a little harder i think to make the case i think for short stories sometimes just cuz the limitations of short stories but i thought this was an excellent collection
0: Okay, so we will have links up in the show notes and in the blog post um, for you to take a listen and to vote, remembering our criteria that it is like, will this book stand the test of time? What did the author set out to do and were they successful with it? Uh, What else was there, Gail? Will it
1: stand the test of time? Oh, I think that we'll it stand the test of time. What was the author trying to do and did they succeed?
0: Right. Okay. So I had them. Yeah. Uh, we combined yeah. them. So let us know and then we'll be down to the final two. This was the final four. Uh, next week, whatever wins, we will briefly discuss. And then that book, whatever comes out on top, will go up against <laughs> the juggernaut. <laughs> the right. Idea. Right. The idea
1: of you. The idea of you. All right. So let's really quickly talk about a couple of books coming out this month. Um, I just have a couple to share. And we haven't discussed this, so we may even have some overlap.
0: Dun, dun, da, da. Da,
1: da, da, da. Okay. I'll start um, with the book that I'm reading right now. It's called Take My Hand by Dolan Perkins Valdez. It is a book about... And I'm just early on, so I I don't know. It's one of those ones that's going to unfold a little bit like a mystery. But it's about an African-American nurse in Alabama. I think it's Alabama. In the 70s. And it is, I believe it's going to be about the forced sterilization of poor Black girls uh, as a way to, you know, ostensibly for birth control purposes but obviously deeply rooted in racism and she is looking back now much later in life like 2016 or something back on her experience as a very young nurse in her early 20s and about two girls in particular that she was a nurse to and that she was apparently administering birth control to even though they were like ages 11 and 13 but i i believe that these two girls it, it hasn't been fully, Unrolled yet, but I believe that these two girls were, um, sterilized and there's some connection between her kind of adult daughter and this time in her life. And I don't know, I think that her adult daughter is adopted and I don't know how the adult daughter came into existence and how it's all connected, but it's, um, just an early days on this one, but I like it a lot. I've read other books by Dolan Perkins Valdez before I'd I read, read Wench. Wench. Yeah. yeah. I read Wench as well. And um, this one comes
0: out on April 12th. She always has these really interesting premises. Like the one uh, for wench was these, they were black women, they were enslaved women, but they were mistresses to like the plantation owners. And every year they wanted vacation to like this lodge and kind of like mm-hmm. openly together mm-hmm. and just kind of how each woman viewed their situation. So just like, Fascinating premise. Yes, I agree.
1: She's local too. I didn't realize that. I was reading an article in the Washington Post about meal planning boxes, you know, like HelloFresh. And she was interviewed because I guess she was using it a lot during the pandemic. I said, oh, she's local.
0: <laughs> um. Okay. So my pick, what I'm looking forward to Is Insomnia by Sarah Pinborough. So, Sarah Pinborough wrote a novel called Behind Her Eyes, which I really enjoyed the twistiness of it and the twist at the end, which I think shocked a lot of people. And I think some people were just it just divided people on this book. Either like you were really into it and you really loved it or you did not. And that went on to become a Netflix uh, adaptation, I think, which was similarly polarizing for the same reasons. So, but I really liked it. She has a book that's coming out called Insomnia. And so she always writes these twisty thrillers. And this one is about a woman. She is like, you know, she's a lawyer. She has a high powered career she has everything. She has the two beautiful children. Her husband stays at home. And she's haunted by like this memory, I think, of something that happened when she was very young surrounding her sisters. Um, I don't know. So it's like a tragic incident that happened in their family that sent them both to foster care. And she is haunted by that. So her mom, I guess, did not have very good mental like She has some sort of mental illness. Uh, This woman, Emma, she does not want to be like her mother and she starts having insomnia. So she feels like, you know, she's losing time. She has this trauma that she has not been very forthcoming about and she feels like she's not able to sleep. So she might be starting to lose her mind. So of course she has to get to like the bottom of what's going on. So yeah, it is coming out April 12th also. So I'm really looking forward to that. Seems like there are a
1: lot of thrillers this month. I was wading through and I was like, thriller, 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 thriller.
0: <laughs> and then I was just looking at some of the reviews. And it's interesting that this one too, it seems like the hangup is going to be on the ending. <laughs> mm,
1: okay. All right. So my next book is called The Lifeguards by Amanda Iyer Ward. I read a book by her years and years ago, very, very long time ago, but she's got some other books that have come out since then that I haven't read. This is about some women in Austin who have raised their kids together and they are very, very good friends. They have three teenage sons and about to begin a carefree summer as lifeguards. And they you know, have this sort of safe little neighborhood where they've raised their kids. And then one night the women are out together and Their sons come back from a late night swim and they have some secrets, some very awful news. So it's about how this terrible thing that happens shatters the safe world that the women have created for their sons and about the secrets that they then keep as a group as they try to protect the sons.
0: Mm, That sounds good. Lots of secrets in April. Yeah. Um, Someone who's written a lot of books that we have both read and I'll see if we have any overlap is Sally Hepworth. And at your recommendation, I had just read um, one of her books. I read, oh my gosh, what's the name of that Sally Hepworth book? Mother-in-law? No, you read the mother-in-law. I read the other, is it the other sister? It's something like that. Did I read that other one? I don't, I'm not sure if you did. It was about the twin sisters and one one decides to have the baby that her other, the sister can't have. Oh, no, I didn't read that one. Yeah. But I looked and she has a lot of other books. So this one is called The Younger Wife. It's about a heart surgeon who's at the top of his field and he's about to get married again. The only complication is he is still married to his former wife and she can no longer speak for herself. Um, the daughters that he has, Tully and Rachel, are very like wary of their father marrying this new woman and you know with their mom being in this unnamed condition that she's in they're just like really suspicious of what it is that he is trying to do and so they're trying to figure out all the family secrets and trying to figure out who their father is and what he's up to as like he has this impending marriage that he seems to want to go through with this younger woman and then she has secrets of her own so uh, it says well getting to the truth unleash the most dangerous impulses in all of them so I really did like um, the other Sally Hepworth book that I read so you've got me hooked now now I'm interested in because that one was um, that one was pretty good and I still might read the mother-in-law the other one that, that I was talking about was called the good sister oh the good sister okay um Susie from novel Redi- novel visits just read the
1: one that you just mentioned and she said it was pretty good but she didn't love it she 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 had hoped for, I guess, a little more suspense or something. I don't know. There was something about it she didn't love, but she didn't. She liked it. She didn't. It just wasn't. It was just like a little yeah, bit. Yeah, no, I think it
0: wasn't. It was not like uh, if you're looking for something that's super twisty, this was not it. I'll I'll definitely say that you do know like pretty soon what's up, and it's just a matter of how they're going to handle it. More opposed to there's going to be some secret that pops out at you. Got it
1: okay so this one i like i kept thinking i might feature it then i was like no i don't know but then i kept reading more reviews of it and then so i went back and forth and back and forth and then i decided just to include it um because obviously i'm intrigued enough that i can't seem to say no to it it's called search and it's by michelle hunivan i don't know if i'm saying that right h-u-n-e-v-e-n
0: i collect books by her they always seem good Right. But <laughs> I haven't read, read it. one yet. So this one
1: has a strange premise and one that I was would ordinarily not be interested in. It's about a woman who is a member of a Unitarian Universalist church in Southern California. Um, and she's a restaurant critic and a food writer. And because she's a member of this congregation, she finds herself on the search committee for a new minister for this congregation. So Apparently the cast of characters on this search committee is this very diverse group of people. And she decides that she's going to write as a memoir style about this search for this, you know, new minister. And the reviews I've read of it said the same thing that people are like, I can't believe how much I liked this book. Like they think it's very funny. And you get this great like insight into these different people and all the politics and the backstabbing and all the behind the scenes stuff that go into this search and everyone's like, I, I just never expected I would like this book as much as I did. But everyone seems to really like it. So um, it's in the genres are satire, humorous fiction, autobiographical novel. So even though it's you know about religion, it's not like a heavy book about religion. So I don't know. I just kept kept coming back to it, and I decided that it was intriguing enough that I wanted to include it here.
0: Okay, so. My last book is I'll be you by Janelle Brown. Um, It's about identical twin sisters and their former child actors and they've grown apart and then one disappears and the other is forced to, I guess, I don't know, look into the secrets and the trauma and all the stuff that they're hiding. I don't, I've read so many books about twins. (laughs) (laughs) I just found this a little bit irresistible just because Janelle Brown is an author that I have like a 50, 50 relationship with her. The first book that I read by her, I wasn't crazy about. I think it was a DNF for me. And then the second book that I read, I listened to on audio and I really liked it. So it's kind of one of those things where I'm not sure if it was the audio experience that made the, um, the one that I enjoyed really enjoyable, Was mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty things. And then I didn't like watch me disappear. So, you know, I don't know. I'm just curious to see where she's going to go with this, you know, since I was 50, 50 and it's twins. I'm just like, I'm just going to read it and add it to my twin collection. (laughs) Okay. Sounds good.
1: All right. Well, there are some April picks and that's our show.
0: Yeah, that's our show. So remember um, the criteria. Uh, our book club pick is going to be Mercy Street by Jennifer Haig. That was what won. It was split between that and groundskeeping. And I think um, Opal and Nev only got a couple of votes. So Okay. So that will All be range. our book. And, you know, in a month or so, we'll probably announce the date. We'll have a better idea of what the date will be on the next show. But remember to vote for our next book. And until next time.
1: Happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at nicolebonia.com and me, Gail, at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks.